0: And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. Hey everybody, what's going on? DJ Bucky here on Move the Sticks. Got a lot to get to today. Of course, uh, we've got life that we've got to get to today. Bucky, both Bucky and myself, we've got uh, some workers at the house right now uh, fixing some problems. But we're still squeezing in the pot here. Buck, how you doing, bud?
1: Man, I'm good. I'm uh, excited. Coming off of that... uh super bowl some people would say a very boring super bowl i found it very um thrilling and compelling to watch so i can't wait to talk to you about that and you know like as you said you tweeted it out right after the game it is draft season let's go oh
0: yeah no i'm i'm fired up man it's uh the uh, combine list will be coming out probably later this week to get a chance to to start digesting all those names and I've been cranking on offensive guys here. I've, my goal is at the end of the week to be done with uh, all the receivers, running backs, quarterbacks, tight ends, so all the skill position players. And then uh, hopefully we get a chance here, maybe even on another podcast this week, to uh, start jumping into some of those guys and, and discussing what we see from that group. But uh, before we get there, Buck, I do want to get your thoughts on the Super Bowl because I had a chance with the PBU with Rhett to, to go through this yesterday. We've talked offline, but I want to get some of your thoughts on the air here. Uh, Just like some big takeaways you you took from that game in Atlanta.
1: Um, I think the biggest takeaway that I have when I think about the Patriots, um, it is not about the collection of talent, but it's about putting together the right complementary pieces to build the best team. And when I look at them, uh, the pieces of the jigsaw puzzle just fit. And even though on the outside – There have been times where you say, man, I just don't know how they're able to win with this roster. When you look at their individual players, some of the players you're like, man, this guy is not a high-level player. But for them in their system and the way that they use them, surrounded by the people that they have, they have been able to elevate a number of dudes. And then when you have a coaching staff that is versatile and you have high IQ players, it allows you to be multifaceted. And I think what we've seen is their multiplicity gives them an opportunity to win each and every week, each and every year. And no matter what we say about the Patriots that they can't get it done, they will always be a team that we have to consider one of the contenders until the Bill Belichick era is done.
0: I think there's an interesting uh, contrast, and it's been uh, fleshed out a little bit on Twitter, Um, but the, the thought process of most championship teams is this is what we do best, we will do what we do best, and uh, and we will win or lose with what we do best. And the Patriots have taken the philosophy of we will find out what you do worst. We will make you make you play in such a fashion and style because we can conform and contort and be versatile enough to play every style of game, every type of scheme. So we're instead of doing what we do best, we're gonna we're gonna do what you you cover worst, what you can't stop, and and what you struggle to do. Uh, they they play on that side of thinking versus doing what we're going to do. It's a definitely an interesting twist on things.
1: I know if we had to compare it to pitchers, uh, the L.A. Rams are more like a Mariano Rivera. Like yeah. They're going to throw the cutters. they're going to throw. They're going to do it over and over again. Whereas the Patriots are more like a Greg Maddox. They have a wide array of pitches that they can get you out with. The fastball may not be the best fastball, but because they have so many other things that they throw at you, you're always confused by what is coming down the pipe, and I think the Patriots win because of the level of confusion and hesitancy that they are able to create in the minds of not only the players, the opponent's players, but in the minds of the opposing coaches. You just never know what you're going to get, and it is a huge advantage for them each and every week because you prepare for stuff that you may not ever see, and so it just gives them an advantage.
0: I want to get your thoughts on this. I try and do this every year, and normally we discuss it on the pod. I don't know if we've done it every year, but – I always, at the end of the year, like to look at a team that won it all. And, look, there's lessons we can take from any number of teams in the NFL that have had some success this year. But I always like to come up and try and just get five takeaways that can help us on the personnel side, not only with drafting and building a team but building an organization. And so here are the five lessons that I, I learned from this New England Patriots team, Buck. Uh, we've touched on some of this, but toughness matters. Um, just don't bring tough player, don't bring players into your building that lack toughness. They don't do that. They don't make exceptions. If you're not tough – Um, you're not going to be a New England Patriot. Number two, the offensive line coach outside the head coach is the most important coach on your roster. You talk about toughness, they set the tempo for your team. They protect your most important asset. They provide that physical presence in the run game, and that group is kind of the lifeblood. And look, that's even not just the Patriots. I think you can look over at the Rams, and Cromer's one of the best in in the business over there and look at the success they've had. Number three, versatile linebackers. Uh, we always talk about run, cover, and hit, um, and uh, run and then also run, cover, and blitz, and I think when you look at their linebackers, having some pass rush experience, guys that can play inside, outside, that versatility allows you to morph and, and put guys in different spots, and when you are rushing the passer, you're not really uh, rushing the passer with an off-the-ball linebacker, you're rushing the passer with somebody that actually has a little bit of experience uh, coming off the edge uh, at, in college, I think that's huge. Number four. The value of the inline tight end. Um, I saw the the Patriots bludgeon people in the run game with Gronk, and then you saw in this game when they needed the two biggest pass plays really of the game for the Patriots, they were both on Gronk, getting him on a linebacker. And the reason that he's got a linebacker covering him is because they ran the ball so dang much um, that that you can't you can't put a skill player, you can't drop a safety down over him, or he's gonna he's gonna mow him off the ball, and you're not gonna be able to stop the run. So that value of a true two way inline. Uh, wide tight end. And finally, lastly, um, investing in special teams, not just in your punter and your kicker. But uh, I look at a guy like Matt Slater. If you get somebody that is a pro, um, that is a dominant coverage player, that's worth something. There's a reason why the Patriots always take those guys way higher in the draft than people think, because that is hidden yardage, man. When you're pinning guys inside the 10 because you've got an excellent, not only a punter, but a coverage player to get down there, that is huge. And they've made an investment in that that role and that position for quite some time.
1: They absolutely have. I believe in all of those takeaways that you have talked about, like the toughness is definitely something that we have to talk about. Um, You know, you can knock their methods um, in terms of them practicing outside or practicing with wet balls or some of the things that they do. They condition maybe more than any other team in an old-school fashion, but that team is tough mentally and physically. Uh, The offensive line, the way that Dante Skarniecki was able to kind of put this group together they took on any and all comers, especially down in the playoffs, and they dominated and controlled the point of attack. They were able to impose their will with the running game while protecting Tom Brady. Uh, I think that matters. You talked about the tight end and how Grob Gronkowski, even though he is not necessarily the player that he once was, he is still a dominant player because he sets the edge in the running game and there's value to that. So those things certainly matter. I think I would add um, – something to it when it comes to the quarterback. You have to have a franchise quarterback, not because you need to lean on him all the time, but when you need him. Tom Brady didn't have his best stuff in Super Bowl 53, and he hasn't been at his best throughout the year. But whenever the Patriots have needed him in a timely situation, in a critical situation, they could give the ball to him and trust that number 12 would get it done. And so as much as we talk about building around the quarterback – Yes, you want to build a team around the quarterback and make sure that the quarterback is elevated. But I think the Patriots demonstrate that you want to be balanced enough where you don't have to lean on the quarterback all the time, but just when you need him. And I think that is something that I'll take away from it, that if I'm building a team, I want to make sure that I have all the other pieces in place where, look, some games we may not need Tom Brady to be at his best, but when we do need him in-game, he can do it. And I think the Patriots have built a balanced team that is not necessarily wholly dependent on the quarterback, but if they do need to depend on the quarterback, the quarterback still can come through.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like in case of emergency break glass. <laughs> That's kind of what you what you need a quarterback for in that situation. But I think you mentioned it there. I mean, this is a complete team. Um, Brady, people say, you know, Brady's so upset, people say he's slipping and da-da-da. He is slipping. He's not the same Tom Brady that he was five years ago. But like Bucky said, he's... He's somebody that, when you get into those big moments, he finds a way to elevate his play and elevate his game. And they can kind of they can kind of use all their other avenues to get where they need to get. And then once you get to clutch time, he's he is to go back to your baseball reference. He is your Mariano Rivera. He can kind of close it out for you. Um, I, I want to transition a little bit here, Buck. Um, I don't know that I don't know we've had a more fascinating player um, on our evaluation than what we have with Kyler Murray at Oklahoma. Um, we'll see. I know the interview. Uh, Did you get a chance to see the interview with Dan Patrick? It was extremely awkward and uncomfortable. Uh, I I don't know why they put him out there for that. Well, first of all, what was your take on that? Did you get a chance to see it?
1: I get a chance to see it, and I know he was just kind of like uncomfortable. He couldn't really like. You would think that someone who is kind of juggling both responsibilities, where I'm going to play baseball or football, would have a more kind of like cookie cutter answer for when that comes down the pipe. And the fact that he couldn't really address it or kind of give. Uh, insight on what he's thinking, where his love, where his passion is. To me, it's a little concerning because if I'm a scout now, I'm a football scout, and I'm looking at Kyler Murray, the one thing that I want to know is, and where does football kind of rank? Are you a football player that is kind of masquerading as a baseball player? Uh, where are you? And this, for me, comes on the heels of watching the 30 for 30 on Dion when Dion was playing both sports. I just kind of want to know that if we take you with a high pick, You're going to be invested in being the best football player that you can be. And right now, Caleb Murray hasn't given me that sense all the way. It is 100% locked into being an outstanding football player, better yet, an outstanding quarterback.
0: So I've talked to some teams, Buck, and you know how this process works. A lot of the decision makers haven't even got to him yet, haven't done him, haven't finished him. A lot of the area scouts have that have gone in there and done some work on him. And the reports that I get back, you know, in terms of just can he play and the playing ability, and I have my own thoughts on that as do you. Um, but I, I don't get I don't get from people saying this guy can't play at the next level. I don't get that at all. I, there seems to be a pretty strong consensus that even at five nine, um, this guy is dynamic. He can find a way to get it done, and he's he's interesting. He's very interesting. So I brought up this point and posed it on Twitter. You tell me. You tell me if I'm crazy. Um, I think Kyler Murray is in a unique situation. I think you got to go back to John Elway to find and I know he's not the consensus number one pick, but if he's getting feedback from all these different teams that there is significant interest in him as a first-round pick with a handful of teams in the market for quarterbacks, he can pick which team he wants to play for. All he's got to do is tell the other 31, I'm not meeting with you, I'm not working out for you, I will not play if you draft me, I will go play baseball. So if you want to spend a first-round pick on me, go ahead. But I'm going to play for the A's. He has all the cards. If he wants to go play for the Miami Dolphins and wants to live in Miami and be in the sun and be down there and that's where he wants to be, he can make that happen because he could get together with the Dolphins. And I know this might fly in the face of NFL, probably wouldn't want us talking about this. um, But I don't see why he couldn't force his way to a team. Am I crazy?
1: It is interesting, like, the way the situation plays out because I do believe you're right with him having all the cards. He certainly can dictate the terms in terms of what team would I like to play for, what coaching staff, what scheme would be the best for me to be able to kind of maximize my talents as a dual-threat quarterback. I think Kyler Murray is in that John Elway scenario where he can say, no, nah, I'm not going to work out for you. I'm not going to do anything at the combine. I'm only going to meet with this hand, these handful of teams, and I'm going to let it play out because baseball is always a trump card that he can use.
0: Yeah, I, I just think it'd be it'd be fascinating to see where where would you want to go. I mean, um, you've got uh, you've got a New York team there with the Giants. I don't know if he fits into what they're looking for, what they want. But you've got Jacksonville, who I think makes a lot of sense uh, for you. Just need your quarterback to go out there with their with the talent they have on the defensive side of the ball. Hopefully, they get Leonard Fournette uh, back playing at a high level, get healthy on the offensive line. Hey, we just need you to go make some plays. We need you to make five six plays a game, and we can go win. That would be one I would keep an eye on. And then mentioned Elway, I meant to be so ironic, if, uh, if if Elway got a player to use the same card that he used uh, as a dual dual sport guy uh, to get his guy, and, and maybe it would be Kyler Murray. I just think that would be it would be a fascinating situation to monitor and to watch. But I can't recall a player having this type of leverage uh, that he possesses. And I had other people reach out to us. Oh, if the... but if, if you if they convince uh, you know a team convinces him that they're going to take him, then they wouldn't have to spend a first-round pick on him. Then they could just take him. I said, yeah, no. Kyler Murray's camp would tell him, you don't take me in the top ten, and then I ain't going. coming. So <laughs> never, they still have all the cards.
1: He's, he can he continues to have all the cards because of the baseball thing that is in uh, play, the contract, the money. The money would probably be more significant in baseball as we get closer and closer to his report date in March. Um, I think the big thing for Kyler Murray, and I think it's really important for him, and his his team, his agents, his advisors, or whatever, as they're looking down the pipe, it is more important than ever for quarterbacks to be surrounded by the right things. Um, We talked about play callers, um, scheme, uh, the people around them on the perimeter. They need all of those things to be successful. And so if I'm Kyler Murray and I'm looking like at Jacksonville in particular, I like the defense and I like some of the weapons on the outside, but, I mean, I don't know if the new office coordinator is, is able to kind of handle and do and be creative enough uh, for Kyler Murray. I do know that there are some teams that could certainly play with a, a guy like Kyler Murray and kind of open up the playbook and allow him to do everything that he's done at Oklahoma. But I think that is really, really important. I think using Jerry Goff as the example, we have seen the difference between a high-end quarterback who goes to a situation where he doesn't have the right play call and the right scheme, versus when the right play call and the right quarterback whisperer kind of shows up and it makes a difference and so if i'm a quarterback like kelly murray i just want to make sure that i give myself the best opportunity to kind of shine at the next level and so he does need to kind of make sure that if he can control where he goes that he finds the right fit for him and what his game is
0: no doubt uh before we uh before we got here we got a quick episode today but uh, I want to swing back over to the Rams, and when you kind of look at them going into the offseason, Buck, um, you know, what areas do you look at to address? They're so close. They're right there. Um, even in that game, I mean, this is the fourth quarter. They have a chance to to win the Super Bowl. Um, you've got a young quarterback. You've got a young head coach. Um, you know, there are some, some concerns on the roster. I think first and foremost would be Whitworth. Does Whitworth come back? That is a gaping hole if he doesn't. I know they like Noteboom. But to me, that's a significant drop off if he does not uh, come back decides to retire. Um, so there, there's see what happens in terms of the roster turnover. I know that you know Sue will probably go wherever the money is the most. Um, so I, I, I kind of tell me if I'm crazy on this one. I I look at what Philadelphia has done and tried to on a rookie quarterback deal with with Carson Wentz same year obviously as Golf to make themselves an attractive one- to two-year destination for some of these veterans that don't get the money that they want. Um, come in here. We're going to have a young talent. We're going to pay our young guys when they come up. Aaron Donald, Todd Gurley, take care of them. We haven't had to pay the quarterback yet. So we'll take on these, these one-two-year rentals. We'll take on the Bennetts. Um, we'll take on the LeGarrette Blunts, the J.J.I.E. types. Uh, I, I could see the Rams doing the same type of thing and say, okay, some of these faces and names might change. You know, maybe it's not the Tlaib and Peters and Sue. Uh, but we can get other guys that we can kind of get. We can trade for them. We can bring guys in on short-term deals and not uh, lock ourselves in long-term.
1: Yeah, I think so. I I think in basketball, it's kind of like what the Golden State Warriors have been able to do in terms of filling the guys around their main core. You get guys that are motivated to have an opportunity to play uh, for a championship on a one- or two-year deal to maybe rebuild their careers, and maybe you can have some success doing that. I think the bigger thing, when I look at the Rams, I think they are really coming down the pipe where they're going to have to make a major decision on what to do with the quarterback. Yes. Um, quarterback is in the, like, the final year, then he has an option year left on his deal, and they have to make a decision. Are we going to pay him with the market bears, which is anywhere from like a twenty-five to $30 million per year deal, for him to be the QB one, or are they going to try and hold a hard line and kind of keep him on a a team-friendly deal that allows them to continue to build up the other stuff around him? Or, finally, will they just kind of move on and see if they can find something better, be it in the draft or whatever, because they feel like the quarterback position is one that is always going to be elevated by that system? Um, I think Les Snead, Sean McVay have to do some serious thinking when it comes to Jerry Goff and how he fits into their long-term plans because the decision that they make with him will ultimately determine how they build it out. And we talked off, offline yesterday, what you have to pay Jerry Goff could give you four or five really good players. So they have to determine what is more valuable. Is my quarterback worth four or five players, or would I rather have four or five players and go back in the draft and find a young quarterback that we can do similar stuff? I think that's the thing Les need and his staff, they have to determine uh, this offseason, which way do they want to approach it when it comes to building the team long-term.
0: And on that subject, it gets me even thinking about the Oakland Raiders and, and where they go with their future here. Um, do they decide, you know, man, they've got a lot of money right now, but if they did decide, um, hey, we want to go draft a quarterback, uh, you know, maybe it's a Haskins there in, in the top ten, and uh, and maybe they do decide to move on from Derek Carr. And the, uh, you know, the, the the cost benefit there of what you could do with that money saved, over not just the one year, but over the the length of that rookie quarterback contract. It's an interesting discussion. I'm anxious to see which team is going to be the first to do it. Which team with a competent quarterback that has proven they can win in this league, that is young, but is going into that big money deal, which team is going to have the courage to say, I choose the four players I can get instead of signing this quarterback to this deal. it's, It's going to take some courage to do that,
1: man. But you know all the teams that can do it, the Oakland Raiders absolutely could do it. Um, The thing about it is John Gruden is going to be there for the next nine years that we know for sure. John Gruden can take that approach, swing and miss, and still have an opportunity to go back and and make it right if he doesn't do it. And so when 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 you think about it, maybe the Dwayne Haskins or the Drew Locke or whoever they kind of fancy themselves liking at quarterback, Maybe this is the time to move on from Derek Carr, focus on getting a young quarterback, really draft well, especially like what do we think Derek Carr would net you back on the open market if you trade him? A couple of top picks. In a defensive-heavy draft that has a lot of star-quality defensive players, man, you talk about putting together a defense like Jacksonville has kind of put together with young, talented playmakers kind of coming together. Maybe that's the approach that the Oakland Raiders take to kind of bring them back to prominence.
0: All right, I'm going to ask you a, a tough question here. Give me the answer. If you are the Denver Broncos, would you trade the 10th pick in the draft for Derek Carr?
1: Oof. The better question would be, if you're the Oakland Raiders, would you trade within the division? But, yeah, I think if I'm the Denver Broncos, I absolutely would make that move. Um, so
0: I, you say that in the division, I every time this discussion comes back, Donovan McNabb, Philadelphia to, to Washington.
1: <laughs> I mean, been I guess done. it all depends been done. on If you're the Oakland Raiders, what do you really think about Derek Carr? Because if you don't think he can come back to bite you, then you absolutely make the move. You don't worry about it. Like the Philadelphia Eagles, they didn't think that Donovan McNabb would come back to bite him, and they, they were proven right because he never necessarily did anything when he left Philadelphia. So, yeah, I think it's more the evaluation that the Raiders have on Derek Carr, how they view him, how they view him compared to others in the league, could lead them to do it. And then if you're the Denver Broncos, what you're weighing is, what is Derek Carr at his best versus what Case Keenum is at his best? And I think we all would say that Derek Carr is a, he notch is
0: a lot more, in, a lot more in it juice, a lot more juice. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think I think I, I think I would do I would I would do it if I was Denver. Um, you know, they're picking ten. They're kind of in no man's land. Um, you've got Vaughn Miller, who is a star. You've got Bradley Chubb. You've got you've got some really good pieces on defense. Um, if you can get the quarterback thing figured out. They're not that far away, man. Uh, I don't know. That would be – it would definitely be a surprise to do something like that in the division. I I mentioned Donovan McNabb. I know it's been done. It's not common. It's more than likely would never happen. But in that case, you would have the Oakland Raiders picking four, picking ten. They would also be picking 24 and 27. I mean, good Lord.
1: So how about we we spin it four? So we won't say the New York Giants, but how about if you're sitting there at Jacksonville, all right? Yeah. The Jacksonville Jaguars, I think they're picking seven.
0: Seven, seven.
1: So, so the Jacksonville Jaguars are picking seven. Derek Carr is available. You feel like you're a team that is right there ready to go. Would you give up something for a Derek Carr? Would you rather have a Derek Carr than a Nick Foles? You're probably going to have to pay them about the same. So which one would you rather have to kind of bring you back in that offense? Um, that still is going to be run heavy, but you can do some things with a veteran quarterback that you would believe would elevate your team.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think he's a, I think he'd be the best option, you know. If you think that you're a quarterback away, I think he would be the best option that they would have available. I really do.
1: Man, that is that is fascinating because that is one of the things. And, and people haven't really talked about this when it comes to the Raiders, but it's something that certainly can be in play because they can get out of this deal by the fifth day of the league year. And so if I'm John Gruden and I know I'm in it for the long haul and also kind of based on how smitten – the Raiders seem to be with those quarterbacks that they had on their roster at the senior ball. Maybe, just maybe, Derek Carr is more available than people think. Man, you jettison him. Maybe you trade him not for one this year, but maybe a future number one to make yeah. sure that you are just a power player Lottery for the next ticket. two years.
0: Yeah, you they've know? got two. They've got two ones next year
1: too, right? Yeah. I, mean, I mean, you can just load up and say that we're just going to own the draft. And over the next two years, we're going to get six or seven really, really, really good players that are going to make this thing happen for us.
0: I'm excited. I mean, not just because our buddy Mayock is there, but I'm excited to watch how the Raiders do this thing. I mean, they have a blank canvas. It's like almost darn near an expansion team. Um, They've got a chance to build this thing from the ground floor up. And if they do trade the quarterback, it really is basically an expansion team with a whole bunch of draft picks. Um, So it'll be interesting to see what they do.
1: Yeah, a whole bunch of draft picks. And I think that comes down to your confidence as a front office and knowing that I'm going to be able to identify the players that we need and then as a coaching staff, I'm going to be able to develop those players once we bring them in. What kind of confidence does John Gruden have in his eye and his teaching skills? Because if he has confidence in those two areas, why not make a move to just really go all in? In a way, this is very, very similar to the Cleveland Browns. And we're yeah. looking at Cleveland now with Baker Mayfield and what they've been able to do. But really, the last two years, they've been able to kind of bring on, on board a lot of talented players, David Joku, and some of the other guys that they brought in, Miles Garrett. That is kind of like the core that is going to elevate the Browns. The Raiders could look to see the Browns' success and be like, you know what? That might not be a bad idea. We get out from up under this big contract with a quarterback, and we're able to kind of evenly distribute the money and get better players because they also can mix in some veterans that I know John Gruden likes. Yeah,
0: that's, that's going to be fun to watch how they build that thing. Up there in Oakland. All right, Buck. We've uh, we've got to run, but we are going to have another episode this week. We're going to start jumping into some of these college players. I am I'm excited uh, to get jumping on uh, on that discussion. I've been kind of I feel like I've been in the cave here uh, the whole Super Bowl <laughs> week, just kind of banging away at these guys. But uh, uh, it's look top heavy wise. I don't think it's a super top heavy draft, um, but I do think there's a there's a lot of value there. There's some depth and uh, there's some really good football players to be found, and they're going to find them. In my opinion, in this draft, you're going to find a lot of good players in that 15 to 40 range. Uh, not going to be a whole lot different between 15 and 40. It's going to be fun uh, to see how these guys end up coming off the board.
1: Yeah, it is going to be fun. and I, I believe like this is a draft where the teams that are really good with the draft process, that really understand how the spot talent and where to value them appropriately on the board, they're going to clean up. And I continue to believe with so many young coaches taking over this year that the divide between – the good and the bad teams will only grow, and so those front offices who have experienced coaches and the like, I think they enjoy a significant advantage over others. We will see how they're able to use the draft to kind of really set themselves apart from the rest of the pack.
0: Well, as uh, as kind of one NFL season comes to a close, uh, we also have a little, uh, a little season here on Move the Sticks comes to a close because our good buddy Cam, who has been uh, has been has just been nails for us throughout the entire fall, uh, helping us. Uh, Keep this Move the Sticks uh, uh, ship afloat here, Buck. He's been outstanding, and now he uh, this is the way the contracts work here. He gets a little bit of a break, um, so he's going to be gone for a little while, but I do want to get Cam on the horn here so we can uh, tell him thank you for all the work that he's done for us. There's a lot that goes into the audio and the videos that we uh, pump out here, um, and Cam has been a big member of the Move the Sticks team. So, Cam, thank you so much for all that you've done, buddy. Hey, no problem. I really appreciate you guys uh, allowing me to work with you. You guys have been exemplary i mean i everything's been just fantastic i graduated in may never expected this in my wildest dreams and to uh be working with two guys that are fantastic it's beyond words i can't speak enough in glowing terms about you guys thank you so much for the opportunity bucky dj uh and i'm super excited for what the future holds not only for myself but for the show you guys are awesome uh, you're the best. The best voice we've ever had on the Move the Sticks podcast, by the way. Buck, I mean, are, are, Unbelievable. are that is absolutely Unbelievable the best? Unbelievable voice.
1: Like, the drops that he did on the Cam thing. Like, look, Cam is so talented in so many different areas, whether it's behind the scenes, doing what he's been able to do for the podcast, or even maybe chasing his dreams of being a play-by-play announcer. The voice, the chops, all of that stuff. Scream, star, at some point. I know it's going to happen for him.
0: Yeah, it's fun to watch just this kind of little project that we've had and see uh, where it's taken, guys. You know, we've got TD who's who's over working with LeBron doing his thing. Uh, we've got Sully who's moved on to greener pastures and he's doing his thing uh, over there at Yahoo. We've got guys all over the map. We've, you know, I go to these All Star games and you'd be shocked at the number of young scouts that come up to to me and Bucky and tell us, you know, hey, we, you know, I listened to your show. I was a part of the the draft contest you guys did. Uh, it's just it's cool. You know, we've got our we've got a nice niche here in the football world. And it's fun to see this kind of community that we've built. And it's a tight knit group and and everybody goes on to bigger and better. And we couldn't be happier. So uh, it, Cam's Cam's one of the one of the good ones. So we're excited for you, Cam. Hopefully we see you back here soon. Uh, if not, we know you're going to go on and, uh, and and tear things up. So good job, buddy. Hey, certainly, gentlemen. Thank you guys so much. All right. There you go. That's going to do it for us today. Buck, anything else you want to add uh, before we get out of here?
1: No, no, I think I think you hit it, man. I can't wait till we get to the next podcast to really begin to kind of delve into the draft season because I'm really excited about this class.
0: Yeah, we've uh, we've got some some cool things coming up. We'll get jump into these players. Actually, uh, I believe we're gonna have Bruce Feldman on the show next, so we'll have Bruce Feldman on the next episode. We can talk about some background on some of these kids. Uh, we're gonna roll the interview that you did with Dwayne Haskins, one of the more intriguing players in this draft class. And, uh, and the best player of the draft class as well. Buck doing work out there at the Super Bowl last week. So we'll have a, a Bucky's chat uh, with Nick Bosa, who I know I believe is the, uh, is the premier player in this draft class. So a lot to look forward to coming up on the next Move the Sticks podcast. Appreciate you guys listening. We'll catch you next time right here. Thanks for downloading Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. For more, go to NFL.com slash podcasts.